And now, story time with Mr. Black. You know, we've all heard the saying, a picture's worth a thousand words. One of my favorite sayings is, what you're doing speaks so loudly, people don't need to listen to a word you're saying. See, people are always watching. And you got to understand that as a leader. And you got to consider what are you saying with your actions? What story are your actions describing? There's a great book that I just found a little while ago by James Clear called Atomic Habits. Tiny changes with remarkable results. An easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. It was written about four years ago, but it's a great book. And in this book, in chapter 6, he talks about motivation is overrated. Environment often matters more. And I want to share what he wrote in the story. He talks about uh, Anne Thorndike, a primary care physician at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. And she had a crazy idea. See, she believed that she could improve the eating habits of thousands of hospital staff and visitors without changing their willpower, their motivation, even in the slightest way. She didn't plan on talking to them at all, but believed just by changing the environment, she could change the eating habits. And so Thorndike and her colleagues uh, designed a six-month study to alter the choice architecture of the hospital cafeteria. So they started by changing how drinks were arranged in the room. Think about that. They just changed the layout. Originally, refrigerators located next to the cash registers were filled with only soda. So the researchers started adding water as an option to each one. Additionally, they placed baskets of bottled water next to the food stations throughout the room. So soda was still in the primary refrigerators, but now water was available at all drinking locations. So over the next three months, the number of soda cells at the hospital dropped by a little over 11%. However, cells of bottled water increased by almost 26%. Similar adjustments were made and similar results took place with the food in the cafeteria as well. And here's the key. There was no communication. Nobody said anything to anybody about what they were eating or what they weren't eating. See, this is what they learned. People often choose products not because of what they are, but because of where they are. And I've done a lot of work with Coca-Cola. I've done a lot of work with uh, Kraft, Nabisco, Mondelez. And so they know this. Think about this. If you walk into a kitchen and see a plate of cookies on the counter, you'll probably pick up a couple, maybe half dozen, start eating them, even if you hadn't been thinking about them and even if you weren't really hungry. So if the com- communal table, think about this, you got an office and there's a table that people put stuff on and share, right? If the communal office table is always filled with donuts and bagels, what do you think you're going to eat, right? And even if you have good willpower, you're going to be tempted. See, habits change depending on the room you are in and the cues in front of you. That's what we're talking about when environment is so important. That's the study of epigenetics, that we are 300 trillion cells, basically a community of 300 trillion cells, all driven by our environment. See, environment is the invisible hand that shapes human behavior. Despite our different personalities, our different behaviors, uh, things arise again and you know situations happen. But environmental conditions really do 
dictate so much. In church, think about this. People tend to talk in soft tones, whispers. On a dark street, people act wary and guarded. See, in this way, the most common form of change is not internal, but external. We are changed by the world around us. Every habit is context dependent. Matter of fact, in this book about motivations overrated, the atomic habits, uh, he talks about uh, psychologist Kurt Lewin. And in 1936, he wrote a simple equation, says behavior is a function of the person in their environment. Again, notice how important the environment is today. We got to ask ourselves, what type of environment are we creating? What are people seeing? Uh, what is the environment we're living in? And those two things right there, if we kept those two things into account, things would change a lot. So once Lewin came up with this equation, it didn't take long for this to be tested in business. Matter of fact, in 1952, the economist Hawkins Stern described a phenomenon he called suggestive impulse buying. I'm sorry, suggestion impulse buying. It's triggered when a shopper sees a product for the first time and sees a need for it. In other words, customers will occasionally buy products not because they want them, but because of how they are presented to them. See, items at the eye level tend to be purchased more than those down near the floor. And if you pay attention to stores that you go to, You'll find expensive brand names featured in easy-to-reach locations, right? Why? Because they drive the most profit. Where you'll see cheaper alternatives tucked away in harder-to-reach spots, not right at eye level. The same goes for the end caps. The end caps are huge. Think about this. End caps are money-making machines for retailers because they are obvious locations that encounter a lot of foot traffic. Coca-Cola says that 45% of their sales come from end caps. Isn't that incredible? The more obviously available product or service is the more likely one to be bought, to be tested, right? And then he goes on to say people drink Bud Light because it's in every bar. Visit Starbucks because it's on every corner. See, we like to think that we're in control. If we choose water over soda, we assume it's because we want to do so. However, the truth might be that many of the actions we take each day are not purposeful drive-driven decisions, but basically are things happening at the unconscious level. This is what you got to realize. We are unconscious creatures. We only use 3 to 5% of our brain consciously. The rest is at the unconscious level. And so if you really want to master the ability to connect with people, you got to figure this human creature out because you are a people and once you understand this whole thing's about people, everything changes. Every living person has their own methods for sensing and understanding the world. I mean, think about eagles, right? Eagles have remarkable long-distance vision. Steaks can smell by tasting the air with their sensitive tongues. Sharks detect small amounts of vibration, electricity in the water. Even bacteria have chemoreceptors, tiny little sensory cells that allow them to detect toxic chemicals in their environment. And in, in we human beings, right, perceptions directed by sensory nervous system. We perceive the world through sight, sound, smell, touch, and taste, right? Every single memory you have is stored in one or all of the five senses. We live life one time and then it's codified. We also have other ways of sensing stimuli, though. 
Some are conscious, but most are non-conscious, unconscious. So you can notice when the temperature drops before a storm, or uh, my uh, my uh, mother-in-law, uh, we call her Merm, boy, she knows when it's going to storm, when her knee starts getting sore, when her knee starts acting up, right? A lot of people have that. We have pain in our gut, you know, when our stomach ache happens. Uh, when we fall off balance while walking on rocky ground, we have receptors all throughout our body that pick up on a wide range of internal stimuli. The amount of salt in our blood, uh, the need to drink when we're thirsty, for breath, right? The most powerful of all human sensory abilities, listen, is vision. The human body has about 11 million sensory receptors. Approximately 10 million of those are dedicated to sight. Of the 11 million sensory receptors, about 10 million are dedicated to sight. The powerful. Some experts estimate that half of the brain's resources are used solely on vision. Given that we are more dependent on vision than any other sense, it should come as no surprise that visual cues are the greatest catalyst of our behavior. For this reason, a small change in what you see can lead to a big shift in what you do. This is why it's so important to realize that people are watching. We are examples. That's why I tell people leadership is a loop. It's permission, it's example, and it's culture. Permission is what we give people by what we do because people are watching. Example is the, is the track. We give people a picture of what we want them to be. We give people a picture of what we want them to do. That's when Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He said, listen, I'm your example. What you see me doing, you do. So ladies and gentlemen, it's time to be aware. It's time to realize that people are watching. You're giving people a picture. And remember, a picture's worth a thousand words. What are the pictures of your actions and your actions? What message is that giving people? Look good, people. You have been listening to Mr. Black, Master Trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And for more information on how we can help you live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters.